Good evening, Family Church. Sunday night, 8 p.m. It's a date. <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. What an opportunity. A great time, great opportunity to share God's Word. Um, suggest you get your Bibles ready. Um, I hope you've got a hot drink ready. Nice cup of, I don't know, what's, whatever your thing is. Um, tea, decaf tea at this time of the night. Um, hot chocolate maybe or some Horlicks or just simple water. So I believe my sound man is waving to me in the background. That's Chris. And he says, yes, we are on YouTube. So that's always a thing every, every Sunday. Like we hear horror stories of people, you know, where it just doesn't work sometimes. But praise God, we've, we seem to be okay with, with YouTube. So let's just dig straight in, shall we? Because I've got a, I believe God has just dropped a word into my lap this week. And I'm so grateful to him. Let's just open in prayer and then we'll dig right in. So, Father, I thank you, Lord, for this word that I believe you have given me. And, Father, I pray that, um, Father God, that you'd use me to, to articulate myself clearly. Father, I pray for the listeners, those that are watching live, and also, Father God, those that will watch on catch-up a little bit later. Lord, I pray that you would give them ears to hear. Hear what the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, what you are saying to each and every one of us as we look to rebuilding the house, rebuilding the house of God after this lockdown and even during this lockdown. So, Father, I thank you, Lord, that uh, for your presence, Lord, that you are with me right now and you are with every single hearer as well. And we give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. So, we're looking at Nehemiah rebuilding the house and tonight we're going to look at the subject my title is having a mind to work having a mind to work and my scripture comes from Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 6 just one line and it says so we built the wall and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height for the people had a mind to work. The people had a mind to work. That sounds like family church all over the place. The people had a mind to work. So just to give you a bit of a recap of what, is, what had happened here, is that the walls of Jerusalem had been lying in ruins for decades. And when Nehemiah heard about the condition of the walls. He heard that the, the, that the walls were lying in ruin, ruins. He mourned, the Bible says he mourned for many days over the ruins, over the reproach, over the shame that these walls represented. So what did he do? He sought the Lord. He spent time fasting and praying like we did on the first 21 days of this year we set aside time to seek God we spent time fasting and praying and this is what Nehemiah did he sought God he sought God about what must I do about the state of these walls he went to the throne 
He didn't go to the phone. He went to the throne. He didn't even go onto Facebook. He went straight to the throne. And he got direction from God. God gave him direction. And then from there, he went to his employer, the king. Remember, um, Nehemiah was the king's cupbearer. So he was employed. He was in the courts of the king. He worked in the palace. And in Nehemiah 2.6, uh, um, uh, uh, Nehemiah goes to the king um, after he sought the Lord. He goes to the king and the king asks him, how long will your journey be and when will you return? Those are the king's questions. And then Nehemiah says, so it pleased the king to send me and I set him a time. So in other words, he got approval. He got, he got his um, holiday form signed off by his boss it's okay, you can go, because I know when you're coming back. You know, the king was within his rights to ask these questions. He was his employer. He wanted to know, listen, Nehemiah, how long are you going to be away for? You know, do I need to contact Hayes or Reed and get, uh, get a temp to fill in while you're away? But in any case, he approved, he approved of Nehemiah's holiday form. And, um, but before Nehemiah went on his journey... He requested letters from the king, um, which would give him safe passage from where he was in Shushan to go to Jerusalem. Now, this distance is 1,575 kilometers away. Shushan is actually in modern-day Iran, and he had to travel through Iran, through, through, through Syria. And, you know, in those, those times, everybody was your enemy. But he received, he requested letters from the king, which would give him safe access through these areas. And Nehemiah also requested letters from the king addressing suppliers so that he would be able to gain to get um, supplies for all that he needed in order to rebuild the walls. So after all this took place, Nehemiah, Nehemiah arrived in Jerusalem and the first thing he did was he wrecked the city. He had a look, he, looked, he went around and he looked at the city, he looked at the gates, he saw the walls that were demolished, that they were in ruin. And <clears throat> then he gathered the inhabitants of the city of Jerusalem and he lay out his vision. He presented his vision. And the first words that came out of their mouths was in Nehemiah 2.8 and they said, Let us rise up and build. Let us rise up and build. Then, the next, next word says, Then they set their hands to this good work. They weren't just talking the talk, they were walking the walk. They were willing to put their hands to the plough. You know, and I remember a few weeks ago we shared about how, about a spirit of unity was amongst these guys in Nehemiah chapter 3, where they were standing next to one another. The priests were next to the perfumers. The perfumers were next to the leaders of the civil areas and the, the different municipalities, if you like, of Jerusalem. They were next to one another. They were united. There was unity amongst them. So, not, but not only was unity required in order to rebuild these walls, 
because it says in Nehemiah 4, 6, so we built the wall and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height for the people had a mind to work. The people had a mind to work. Not only were they united in unity, in vision, in purpose, but they had a mind to work. And the result was that within 52 days, these walls that had been lying in ruin for decades were rebuilt. And remember, this is not a little white picket fence. The, these walls are, what, two and a half miles in. The wall was two and a half miles in length, 11 meters high, two and a half meters wide. They are huge. They are huge. But because they had a mind to work, the people had a mind to work. And it's such a perfect example of the church today coming out of lockdown, of us being a people united together in vision and purpose and being a people with a mind to work. And there's so many valuable lessons that we can learn from this account. And so I've got a couple of points that I want you to write down if you like. And let's just go over them during the weeks ahead. The first point, when we've got a task ahead of us, when we've got a mind to work, the first thing we need to do, get ready. Hey, if I was T.D. Jakes right now, which I'm not, I'm not even the first lady, but I would say, get ready, get ready, get ready. Oh, get ready, people. Come on. First thing Nehemiah did when he heard about the, the state of the walls, he sought the Lord. The very first thing, he sought the Lord. Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. In fact, the Amplified says, seek first the kingdom of God and his way of doing things. God has a way. There's a certain way that God works. And we need to seek His will firstly. Pray first. Seek God. Pray first. Prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. So we need to seek first His plans. Not a matter of, well, I think we should just do this, that, and the other, and God bless our mess. No, seek first the kingdom of God and his way of doing things. In Titus chapter 3, there are some beautiful scriptures in Titus. In Titus chapter 3, Paul admonishes the pastor, Titus, and he says to him to be ready, in verse 1, to be ready for every good work. Get ready, people. Get ready. There's a good work ahead of us. We've got to be fully prepared. Days of preparation are never wasted. Oh, I'll tell you what, hear my heart. Days of preparation are never wasted. You might think, man, God's got me on the shelf. <laughs> you know, when is thing, anything going to happen in my life? When is, when's God going to use me? God is busy. God is at work. Days of preparation are never wasted. Look at some perfect examples. Moses, on the backside of the desert, in obscurity, for 40 years herding sheep. Come on, 40 years herding sheep. Oh, 
for, uh, for another 40 years of herding the children of Israel through a desert, through a desert. And you know what? He never got to deliver them into the promised land. But he learned, he learned. Look at Jesus, 30 years of preparation for three years of ministry. Listen to what Proverbs 24, 27 says. Do your planning and prepare your fields before building your house. The message says, first plant your fields and then build your barn. And I think sometimes, but hang on a second, shouldn't you build the barn first so that when your crops are ready, you've got a place to store them? No. First plant your fields while they're growing, while this is going on behind the scenes, then build your barn so that when the harvest is ready, you'll have a barn to put them in. But you first do your planning and prepare your fields before building your house. This is the time, people, for us to be planning, for us to be preparing our hearts, to be preparing the soil of our hearts. We need to get ready, get equipped, be prepared, get ready. Perfect example of this is in Matthew 25 with the five wise and the five foolish virgins. The, 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 the wise virgins, remember, they had oil in their lamps and when the bridegroom arrived, they were ready. But the foolish virgins, they were running around chasing their tails when the bridegroom arrived looking for wherever they could borrow some oil. Could they borrow some oil from the wise virgins, virgins? Or could they go and buy some? They were so distracted that when the bridegroom arrived, he, he left. And the final words that they heard in Matthew 25, those words would resound with them forever. Listen to what the Bible says in Matthew 25. The door was shut. Oof, the door was shut, they were too late. And Jesus' words, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Oh man, I, you know what? I'll cry. In a minute, I'll cry. But what a tragic, tragic thing to happen. You know what? These unwise virgins, they had done half a job. They were virgins. So they had kept themselves pure, and that was a requirement. But the necessity was that they had oil in their lamps. But they, they met, so they'd met the requirement of the law. They'd kept the law. They were obedient. I kept myself pure. But they had stopped short. They weren't willing. In Isaiah 119, remember that scripture says, if you are willing, and obedient you will eat the good of the land but they weren't willing to draw near to the bridegroom they wouldn't make the extra effort they didn't place enough value on that relationship I don't believe they esteemed him highly enough so they, they stopped short and got caught in their comfort zone they were only halfway compliant that followed the law but their hearts were far away. We don't want to be like that. Man, we want to be like those wise virgins. We want to have our lamps filled with oil. 
Pastor Andy's preaching on the Holy Spirit. Man, we're going into a season now where we ain't seen nothing yet, but we need to be prepared. We need to prepare our hearts. We want our lamps to burn brightly. We want to be ready for that bridegroom. We want to be able to, to fill the, the, the church with the presence of God. When the people come in, that they sense the presence of God. Man, remember when you first got saved? I remember when I, that day when I got saved. The presence of God was in that place. That's what we want to see, the presence of God. We want to have our lamps filled with oil. So we need to seek first the kingdom of God and do things His way. Get ready for every good work. You know, when's the best time, a thought, when's the best time to plant an apple tree? Well, the answer is, if you're wanting an apple, it would have been... 15 years ago. You know, sometimes we procrastinate. We put off that what, what we need today. We put, we put it off. We don't want to go through. We don't want to do what's required in order to produce it. I mean, just look at our, you know, our everyday lives. I mean, come on. Dieting always, only, ever starts on a Monday. Why don't we start it on a Friday? I'll tell you why in this household. Because... We know that our cupboards have some little tasty treats which we need to get rid of. So instead of blessing somebody or throwing them away, we consume them before we actually start our diet on the Monday. And then we justify it. We're okay. We can start our diet on the Monday. Or, you know, when should you have started that diet? Mm, three months ago, you know, before you, before you started padding it on and pandering to King's stomach. <laughs> you know, I'm speaking to myself here. <laughs> And the same thing every year, Boxing Day. Every year, Boxing Day comes through the door, on lands on your mat, um, flyers, a new year, a new you. You know, it's Slimming World, or it's Weight Watchers, or it's Join the Gym, you know, outside of lockdown. But there's always something ahead. But we need to have discipline in our lives now. We need to, we need to discipline ourselves before we enter the ring. Remember Pastor Andy, last week he was interviewing that guy who was a boxer. And he said, no, he can't wait until he gets into the ring and then start doing press-ups and things like that. He had to exercise, he had to discipline himself before he got into the ring. There's a South African springbok um, golf player by the name of Gary Player. He was very well known. And he, he said this quote for years and years. It was a bit of a joke. He said, the more I practice the luckier I get. I mean, you know, come on. It's about practice. It's about discipline. It's about getting disciplines in our lives. And it's the same thing with prayer. It's the same thing with word. We need to get the word into our hearts. We need to have that deep reservoir that we can draw from. We need to have oil in our lamps. But we need to be, we need to get ready. We've got to count the cost. It's like the king asking those questions, like, how long are you going to go for? When can I expect you back? He, Nehemiah had calculated the cost of the wall. He knew it was going to take him a month to, just to travel from where he was in Shushan to get to Jerusalem. It was a month's travel there, a month's travel back, plus all the materials that he needed he, there was a price to be paid. We've got to count the cost. Titus 3, 
The same scripture we referred to earlier in verse 16 says, maintain good works to meet urgent needs. There's a price to pay, but there are people who will benefit at the end of our obedience. We've got to count the cost. Luke 14, 28 to 31, Jesus saying, For which of you, intending to build a tower, there we go again, build, 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 intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost whether he has enough to finish it. We've got to count the cost, lest after he's paid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all who see it will begin to mock him. And he goes on about going to war even. You've got to count the cost. We've got to count the cost. We've got to become disciplined. We've got to have a plan. We've got to have a plan and work the plan in order to have a mind to work. So my first point was get ready. Count the cost. That was my first point, and I'm I'm only on, I'm only about a, a third of the way through my message, so I better get on quick. The second point, my second point. I'm just going to hold up the sign. This is my second point. Just do it. Just do it. Okay. Just do it. Do it afraid. I've got three points in this. Little semi points. Do it afraid. Do it because it's right. And do it well. First point, do it afraid. Joyce Meyer makes a statement. She says, just because you feel fear doesn't mean you can't do it. Fear is a feeling. And fear will never entirely disappear from your life. I'm sorry to say, God's not given us a spirit of fear. But fear in itself will never entirely disappear from our lives. But you can confront it and you can overcome it. Courage is not the absence of fear. But courage is moving forward in the presence of fear. So do it afraid. Wrong way around. Do it afraid. Joshua chapter 1. God speaking to Joshua. The, the guy who's taking over after Moses has died, he's, he, he's Moses' Moses' successor. And three times to, to Joshua, in, in Joshua 1, God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. He says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Courage is not the absence of fear. C courage is moving forward in the presence of fear. And Ephesians 6.10 says, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Be strong in the Lord. It's not to be strong in your, own, in your own strength. You can't just mentally blot out fear, but be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. It's about faith in God. It's about trusting Him. And what he asks you to do, it's like Pastor Andy was preaching this morning, what he, what he asks you to do, he empowers you to do it. You know what, when I, when I went to Bible college, I kind of had some ideas in my mind that I just knew I just had to learn about God. I just wanted to learn as much about God and his word as possible. And I went to Bible college, but I kind of said to God, I'm going to Bible college, but... Two things I never want to do. So 
kind of laying down the law to God. Two things. Number one, I never want to pray in public. And number two, I never want to speak in public. <laughs> so I went to Bible college. And in my second year, um, for the whole year, I was put as a prayer group leader with people in my group who were already pastors. I felt so out of my depth for twice a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays, before three and a half hours of Bible school, I had to lead a prayer meeting. And it wasn't a little group. It wasn't just small numbers. There were there was, there was a relatively big group when I felt so out of my depth. I felt so fearful. I felt so intimidated. And then when it came to speaking in public, the first time I had to prepare a message in Bible college and preach a message. I tell you what, my knees were fellowshipping. I was shaking like a leaf. And to this day, I hate public speaking. And yet, you know, God, don't you know this? And yet he calls us to be pastors. And yet public speaking is not my thing. But God enables me. He empowers me. When I speak, it's not by my power. It's not my strength. It's in fear and trembling. But it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. He empowers us. So just do it. Just do it. First point, just do it. Do it afraid. Second point, do it because it's right. Do it because it's right, not just because it produces right results. Do it because it's right, not just because it produces right results for you. Not because it's producing right results for you at the time. Do it, do what's right because it's right. It's not about what's in it for me. 1 Corinthians 3 verses 9 to 14, I'm just going to take out little bits. It says, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. Oh, it's a beautiful description. You are God's building. You are God's building. Listen to this. It says, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. And he goes on in verse 14 and he says, If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. So what kind of life are we building? But whatever you're building, it will be revealed. It will show up for what it really is. Remember, it's not about what we do but why we do it. We need to check our motives. You know, are you doing what you're doing just to get man's approval? Or are you doing what you're doing because you don't want to disappoint people? Or, or you, 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 don't want, you don't want to say no to people because you want to be liked and accepted and approved by everyone? If that is the case, maybe ask yourself the question, like, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Is, am I doing what I believe God wants me to do? We need to make sure that our motives are right. That we're doing what is right, not just because it produces the right results for me. Remember, our works are important. Titus 3.1 says, be ready for every good work. Titus 3.8 says, 
be careful to maintain good works because these things are good and profitable to men. What we do profits other people. And then verse 14, he says, to maintain good works, to meet urgent needs, that they may not be unfruitful, that our works may not be unfruitful. There are people at the end of our obedience, and we need to make sure that our motives are right. Pure works produce rewards. Just have to look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 to 7. We won't go there. But it talks about our, pub, our private life versus our public life. And Jesus there speaking about praying and fasting and giving, that what we do in private matters, that God will reward us openly what is done in secret. Perfect example of this is forgiveness. You know, we need to do what is right because it's right not just because it produces right results for me at the time. You know what? There are people in my life that have done me wrong. They've done me harm. But I choose to forgive them. I choose to forgive them. They've never apologized. They know they've done wrong. They've never apologized. But for my own sake, I choose to forgive them. And I know that during this process, I am making a lot of progress. I'm making progress when I'm doing what's right, even when it sometimes feels wrong. Forgiveness isn't based on our feelings, but I know it's what God's will is for me. I need to do it, even when it feels hard, even when it's difficult. Psalm 37 says, trust in the Lord and do good. Do good, man. It does you good. Galatians 6 uh, verses 9 and, 10, 9 and 10 in the Amplified says, Be mindful to be a blessing. Have a mind to be a blessing. Do it on purpose. So we're still doing our just do it, just do it. Do it afraid. Do it because it's right. And our third point of do it, do it well. That scripture that we read in 1 Corinthians 3 says, As a wise Master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. Let's do it with excellence. Not perfection, excellence. The way you build determines how long it will stand. You know, you just look at some of these um, buildings in third world countries and so often there's just Buildings will just collapse for no apparent reason. And the reason why is because they've not laid proper foundations, they've not adhered to standards, and the buildings collapse. But the way we build determines how long something will stand. So we're not going to have a duct tape mentality. We're not going to plaster the cracks. We need to give everything our best. God is an excellent God who gives us his very best, his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sin and for our salvation, for our healing, for our wholeness. So we need to honor God by giving our best back to him, by being all in, by allowing him access in every area 
of our lives. We don't wear a face mask in front of him. He knows everything about us. Throughout the Bible, we look at people with an excellent spirit. People that come, I know well, people come to your mind straight away. First person that comes to my mind is Joseph. I love the account of Joseph. How Joseph had an excellent spirit. You know, he was thrown into a pit by his brothers and sold into slavery. Bible says he was in the pit. They were sitting a stone's throw away from him, eating their dinner while their brother was, was in the pit. And they got, he got sold into slavery, went to Potiphar, got, got sent to Potiphar's house where he got falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. So he landed up in prison. In prison, he became the head of the prison guard. Everywhere Joseph went, he excelled. And it wasn't because he dotted the I's and crossed the T's. He had an excellent spirit. It was something inside of him. It wasn't all that he did, 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 did. It was his heart. It was his manner. It was his attitude. It was his motive. He did what was right just because it was, right. it was the right thing to do. And he did things well. Daniel, Daniel 6, I think it is in verse 3, he had an excellent spirit. His, Daniel's life was marked with, with, with success and favor. And we think of like Nehemiah. Nobody in particular stands out by as a person apart from Nehemiah. But all the priests, all the perfumers, all the leaders, everyone standing next to one another did their best with what was in front of them. And that is what got the job done. That is how they built the wall. That is how they had a mind to work. It's not about performance. It's about the heart. Psalm 110 verse 3, it says, Your people, your people, God, shall be volunteers in the day of your power. What a promise. Thank you, Jesus. Your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power. Volunteer means you have a readiness of mind, a willing mind. You are wanting to get involved. You're wanting to get ready. You want to, you have a mind to work. So we need to get ready. We need to count the cost. We need to just, sorry, my notes. We need to just do it. I was showing you the wrong piece of paper. You didn't even notice. You need to just do it. Just do it. Do it afraid. Do it because it's right. And do it with excellence. We're coming into land. You saw my notes. It said finishing strong. Next thing is it's not about how you start. It's about how you finish. Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Do not lose heart, Christian. Don't give up. Don't give up. Ah, don't give up. Do not lose heart. It's always too soon to quit. Don't give up. Don't give up. Be like the Apostle Paul. I have fought the good fight. I have finished my race. Don't give up. What an example of Peter in the Bible, in the New Testament, walking on water. There he was 
walking on water, keeping his eyes on Jesus. And next thing, he took his eyes off Jesus and he looked at the waves. He looked at the storm. He looked at the wind and the waves. And the Bible says he began to sink. And, and what happens was he cries out to Jesus. He says, save me. And the Bible says in Matthew 14, immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him. He was right up there. He was right there. He was right up to Jesus. But he looked at the wind and the waves. And Jesus' response to him is, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Now, hang on a sec. Peter was the only wet water walker. He was the only one. There were 11 dry boat Christians sitting in the boat. But Peter gets wrapped over the knuckles because you of little faith. Wow, that's not fair. Surely it's not fair. But the principle here is he was walking on water until he took his eyes off, off Jesus. Then he began to sink. He was called of little faith. Because he didn't finish. He didn't keep his eyes on Jesus to the very end. If he had kept his eyes on, and he was right there, but if he had kept his eyes on Jesus right to the very end, I believe he would have, Jesus would have said, great faith. What great faith you have. It's not how we start. It's how we finish. We need to maintain a good attitude to the very end. Jesus, he's our, the author and the finisher, the perfecter of our faith. What he starts, he completes. When we get a vision from God to do something specific, building a wall, whatever it might be, serving, kids' church, hosting, anything, whatever it might be, whatever it is, to be a blessing, to help people. What do you do when it seems like the honeymoon is over? Well, I tell you now, stay committed. Don't give up. Keep doing what God's told you to do. We walk by faith, not by sight. Be ready for good works. Be ready to maintain good works. Maintaining good works that they may be fruitful. We're called to live fruitful lives. So Christians, children of God, put your hands to the plow. Have a mind to work. Get ready. Count the cost. Just do it. Do it afraid. Do it because it's right. Do it with excellence. And we will finish strong. Amen and amen. God bless you. We'll see you again next Sunday for Sunday Night Local.